0: Nice to hang out with all of y'all, and uh, super fun to get a little bit of time, God, good God time together. I'm um, going to give you a nice little joke, because that always helps, you know, and I have fantastic jokes, which I say a lot of tongue-in-cheek with that. That's a joke right there, exactly. Because <laughs> my jokes are like bad. Which is faster, hot or cold? Hot, why? Because you can catch a cold. <laughs> kind of cheesy. And if you're online, you're like, woo, they're super grown worthy. Another one, what do you call two birds that stick together? Velcros. That's so cute, right? <laughs> I think we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. You're a little more perky than first service, so we are going to have some lots of fun, good jokes, lots of laughing. <laughs> I'm going to do switch up the message that I did from the first service and do something a little bit different. Um, but and I'm really uh, very keen. I feel this strongly from Holy Spirit to switch this around a little. So um, I'd invite you to flip over in your Bibles to John chapter 4. And we're going to be in John chapters 4, 5, and 8. Um, and this is an interesting message because it's the, the name of this message is The Missing Man. The Missing Man. And you're like, what does that mean? Well, hang hang with me because I think it'll be not only super interesting, um, illuminating to you, but I think it more, more importantly, it'll be very, very helpful to you. So, um, and it's meaningful to me in part, uh, because when I was growing up, I had a couple of, of scenarios where somebody didn't show up, right. And the, and I struggled. So I remember one time there was supposed to be somebody like a babysitter to collect me, um, from kindergarten at my bus stop and the babysitter got her times mixed up and she didn't show up. So I'm waiting there, and, you know, when you're, like, five, it's forever, right? Who knows? But I remember I thought, well, I don't, you know, maybe I'll start walking home, making my way home, and I was scared and, you know, all this stuff. And obviously, I got home, and, but it was tra- it was challenging for me, you know, and I felt like I got left, I got kind of abandoned, and somebody was supposed to be there, and they didn't show up. Has anybody ever had something like that? And it's like, Hey! You know, Sometimes it's okay when we're adults, but sometimes when you're kids, it's a little more disturbing. Um, And so I think it's important for us to look at the idea of the missing man. And in John chapter 4, this is the story of the woman at the well, Samaritan woman at the well. She's one of my favorite people in the Bible, next to Jesus. Um, And Jesus came to her town, was sitting by the well, and all of his disciples had gone to the, the town to buy lunch. And as Jesus is sitting there, this woman comes. It's around noon. She comes to draw water from the well. And Jesus says to her, you know, hey, give me a drink of water. And she's freaked out. How is it that you, a Jewish man, would ask water from me, a Samaritan woman? I mean, these are all kinds of, you know, cultural faux pas. We don't cross these lines. It's not inappropriate, you know. Not politically correct. And Jesus, I love what Jesus does. He doesn't say, zip it and just give me the water, you know. Let's not talk about it. But he's like, if you knew the gift of God and who is talking to you, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. And then, so it's, he makes her thirsty, right? He's like, hmm. And so she's like, what are you talking about? What is this living water? And and so he starts, to, and they, they have this interesting conversation, but the conversation is very comfortable and you know engaging, and she's curious, and she keeps talking, and he keeps, you know, kind of making her more interested. And then he says to her, go and call your husband. Well, chatty Kathy (laughs) suddenly turns into silent Samantha, (laughs) right? Because she'd been all, (laughs) and then she says, I have no husband. Four words. And if you looked at, did word count in the previous interactions, lots of word count. Typical woman, lots of words. But now, and I think it's interesting because there's a missing man in her life. And Jesus is like, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the dude you're with now isn't your husband. Well, now we're gonna change the subject because this is highly uncomfortable. Who is it, this strange man? He doesn't know me from man, you know. Now he's revealing my most intimate, deepest secrets and hurts. You have five broken marriages. That's a lot of pain. That's just flat out a lot of pain. And the dude she's with now isn't even her husband. So how does that play out in in, in any kind of religious context? Obviously not too good. So a missing man, right? And I think sometimes We may have relationships that go south on us. We struggle sometimes in our relationships. We have difficulties. Somebody says something unkind. There's a misunderstanding. There's a broken relationship. And we feel the hurt of that. Am I talking anybody's language here? Yes and amen. And Jesus steps into that space. He steps in and has a conversation with her. Now, the outcome of his conversation with her, she walks away healed and redeemed. She walks away, and, and he, what I love about the conversation is he says to her, I know who you are. I know the biggest pain in your life, and I want to tell you who I am. I And she, she says, we know that when Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. And he says to her, I who speak with you am he. So he reveals to her his true identity. Maybe before he tells anybody else in the whole world overtly like that. But he speaks, and I love what he does because he acknowledges the gap and the deficiency in her life, the missing man, and yet he speaks in and says, I who speak with you am he, missing man. So sometimes we look for relationships to fix, to help, to resolve, one after another after another. And, And a lot of times we go and we... If you're not careful, you repeat the same relationships. Right? Because it's just, this, there's this weird thing, and we actually have a difficult time disconnecting from that pattern. And I like that Jesus steps in and speaks and says, Hey, I know there's a missing relationship in your life. But the next one I want you to think about, and I'm bringing a couple of these to your attention. Um, because I think they're really powerful. In John chapter 5. In John chapter 5. This is uh, the verses like 1 through 10. This is the man at Bethesda. And this is a dude. Bethesda is, in, is a, a well. Or a pool actually. In Jerusalem. And it's located Bethesda. And I love the, the name Bethesda. Because it means. Bet meaning house in Hebrew. And chesed meaning loving kindness. And uh, that's one of the core descriptions of God. You go to Psalms 136, and every other line is, your loving kindness endures forever. And so Jesus shows up at the house of loving kindness. That's what this pool is called. And at this pool, the word on the street is, there's a pool, and when an angel comes and stirs up the pool, if you jump in, you'll get healed. That's kind of the, the line on the street. So you have a boatload of sick people around this pool. And Jesus shows up in chapter five, verse one, and he sees all this multitude. Verse three, it says in these lay a multitude of those who are sick, blind, lame, withered, waiting for the moving of the water and whoever steps in gets well. So verse five, a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. That's a long time. And, the, and my challenge on being sick for 38 years is it's not just that you're sick, but now you've, you've facilitated, created a mentality that supports that sickness, right? I mean, you just kind of compensate and adapt and work your way into it. So great example, when I was, um, when I was in college, uh, I dislocated my shoulder playing basketball because I really, 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 really like basketball and uh, I'm very competitive bad news. So (laughs) I know I actually, the way it worked is I was coming down on defense. There was a breakaway layup and I didn't see my teammate on the other side. And I cut, undercut the layup, right. And bounced into my teammate, boinged off and like dislocated my shoulder. So all that to be said, you're like, why are you telling us this? Because now when I put on a sweatshirt or I take off a sweatshirt and I'm in my mid fifties, I have a a very unique way to do it because that's how I learned to do it when my shoulder was dislocated. And I've continued to do the same pattern, method, strategy for like a long time now. I compensate. And I could could take my sweatshirt off normal, but for whatever reason, when I don't think about it, that's what I do. Does that make sense to you? Compensatory behaviors. And so it's not only that he's sick, but he also has the mindset that goes with that because he's created habits and routines to work with that, adapt to it. So Jesus' question to him is really important. Do you wanna be well? I think that's a very legitimate question, one of the best questions that Jesus could ever ask us because if we wanna be well, that means we're gonna need to make some adjustments in our routines, our patterns, our habits, our values, our priorities. We're gonna have to, have to make changes. Because if you don't want to be well, you can keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to be well, you've got to make some adaptions. Because you can't keep doing what you're doing, right, if you're going to be well. Change, right? So, and I like what the dude says to Jesus. I have no one, I have no one to put me in the pool. Am I messing this up? What am I doing? I'm touching it? Sorry. But I figure you guys don't like that either, right? Sorry. Thank you. I need all kinds of help. No? All good. Do what you need to do. Is that good? Okay. Sorry. Just technical support. Or we can do a handheld. Would that be easier? I can do a handheld. No problem. How about I flip this off? This on. Woo woo. Cooking with gas. You're like, ah, oh, switch, adapt, right? Do you want to be well to get better? <laughs> perfect, perfect illustration. Perfect. <laughs> yes, I want to be well. So let's change. So, and Jesus, the, the guy answers Jesus, I don't have anyone. I don't have a friend. Again, a missing man. I have no one to put me in the pool. No one's here. I don't have a friend. The woman at the well, I don't have a husband. I lack intimacy. I lack a safe, healthy relationship. And the man at the pool of Bethesda, I don't have a friend who can help me get better. The missing man. And I want to bring this to your attention because Jesus shows up in these places where people go missing. I venture to say that all of us in the room, watching online, we've had people go missing in our lives. The babysitter that didn't collect me at kindergarten, she was missing. And I can tell you in my life, there are other times people have been missing. They didn't show up. And I appreciate that Jesus shows up in those missing gap places and spaces. And you're like, well, you know, people, God can work through people. Absolutely. And God has worked through people. But I want us to be careful that we don't see the supply in contrast to the provider. A lot of times we, and I think this too, we look for horizontal solutions that are only vertically resolved. And when we do horizontal and we look for that missing person, the right person. You know, I, I'm just going to be really honest. Jerry Maguire, you know, in that scene where she, she said, he says, you complete me. I'm like, Bleh. I want to puke. <laughs> I just want to puke because I'm like, human plus human equals human. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Maybe you didn't see that movie and that's okay. But, but I just, I, I, do, I think that we look. And you know, that poor guy at Bethesda. I mean, he's 38 years old. He's got all kinds of compensatory rituals and habits. And he has no one, no one to help him, no one. And it doesn't mean that we absolve ourselves from helping people. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that a lot of times when we look horizontal and we try to fix something in in us for with horizontal solutions, it just adds more humanity. and And that's actually not, that helpful <laughs> human plus human doesn't equal divine. It just doesn't. So let's do one more missing man, and this is in John chapter eight, because again, <laughs> this is another really interesting missing man. So in John chapter eight, uh, Jesus is talking, and he's doing he's talking in the temple, and early in the morning, in verses like one through eleven. As he's talking early in the morning at the temple, you know, he's Jesus. So he's got a lot of people around him because he's naturally magnetic, right? He's people attraction. Everybody wants to be around Jesus, and, like, he starts talking, we show up, woo, yeah. So he's got a boatload of people around him at the temple, and he's talking, he's ministering, he's sharing. And as he's doing that, and remember, he's in the temple, right? So that would be equivalent to, like, our church today. As he's talking, as he's ministering, the leaders of the temple, Pharisees, Sadducees, they take a woman caught in adultery and throw her caught Caught in adultery. Right? That's a little bit disturbing right there. Caught in adultery and they throw her at Jesus' feet. And they tell him, this woman was caught in adultery. The law says we should stone her. Not the weed kind, right? (laughs) The dying kind. We should stone her. What do you say? It's interesting. Because to do adultery, you got to have two. So where's the missing man? Hello, Bueller. (laughs) Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? It's like, come on. The man is missing. Hello. And they throw her at Jesus' feet. What do you say? And I think it's really interesting. Because sometimes even in in religious circles. We can isolate. We can exclude. We can shame. We can humiliate. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. And I like what Jesus does. He (laughs) <laughs> and you have to picture yourself. There's like three main four people in this whole scenario. You have the audience who's listening and watching. They were listening to Jesus and now suddenly <gasps> they're really interrupted. Don't you wonder like uh, well, talk about a tight moment. <clears throat> they're like what are you going to do? <laughs> I know her. <laughs> right? where's that guy? Seriously. Then you have the Pharisees and Sadducees who are like, (laughs) right? (laughs) Cranky. You have Jesus and you have the woman. And all of us in some way, shape, fashion, or form have been or might be one of those three. And I think today Maybe we could identify, maybe pieces and parts, maybe a little bit of the, of the crowd watching, maybe a little bit, you know, 5% Pharisee, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you're 10% woman caught in adultery, you just messed up, right? But I think we can all identify, we can all put ourselves in at least, partially in at least some of that. But I like what Jesus does, because he's the missing man. <laughs> he's the missing man. And he stoops in the ground. And you got to appreciate how intense this was. And I, I think from her point of view, she's scared out of her mind. She's embarrassed. She's, like I said, humiliated, like freaked out. She might be facing death in the next 20 minutes. And a brutal, gory, unkind, horrible death. You know, when you stone somebody, you know what it is. You just throw rocks at them until they die. That's, yeah, brutal, unkind barbaric that's what she's looking at so and i like what jesus says cuz this is clearly a culminating ooh it's going to happen and he doesn't jump and leap and like freak out and like woo, 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 woo. he doesn't do any of that he totally dials it down <sighs> stoops in the ground starts to write now everybody always wants to know what did he write clearly if god wanted you to know he would have put it in the bible <laughs> the end you're like, do you have any ideas? No, not really, because I just leave it at what it says. Jesus stoops in the, in the dirt, starts to write, and then he stands up and he says, um, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And then he stoops back down, starts to write again. And as he's writing, they leave one by one. And it says they started, I think he started with the oldest and worked their way down to the youngest. Think about the time, the time that was passing. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Oh, another one left. Tick, tock, tick, so that one left too. Until there's nobody left. It's just the woman. And he says to her, where are your accusers? And they've all gone missing. And he steps in and says, I don't accuse you. She said, they're all gone. I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus is the missing man. Jesus is the missing man. He steps in to the shame, the guilt, your failures. You're like, if, if you only knew, well, Jesus knows. And he steps in. And he doesn't condemn, accuse, belittle, berate, shame. He doesn't do any of that. He steps in to redeem, to forgive, to repair. He is the missing man. And he does that in the brokenness of sin. He does that in the brokenness of 38 years of illness and habitual routines and patterns to compensate for that illness. He does that <laughs> in broken marriages, broken relationships, the, the deficiency of intimacy and connection. Jesus is the missing man. And some of us have had parents that went missing and we feel the ripples of that every day. Some of us have broken marriage because of our infidelity. We stepped out or they, whoever. Some of us have injuries from the past and it's time to let Jesus step in. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? And the guy says, yeah, I have nobody to help me. And when Jesus steps in, he says, pick up your mat and walk. And I think when we acknowledge Jesus for who he really is and the fullness and those gaps, what's missing, who is missing in your life? Some of us have had loved ones die prematurely, or we moved. We had a broken relationship, broken friendship. We've all, I mean, pick there's not a person in the room, not a person online. All of us have had people go missing in our lives. They didn't answer. <laughs> they blocked our phone number. They are not calling. They're not answering the text messages. And we, I don't know about you, but Twitch, it, it hurts. And then we try to hop in and find another person or another, you know, ultimately family. <laughs> Jesus is the missing man. No matter who you think would complete or help or fix or make you better, throw you in the pool of Bethesda. Nobody, nobody, nobody but Jesus Nobody but Jesus. Now I recognize that Jesus can work through people and I'm not ignoring that. I'm not dismissing that. Jesus can work through you. But again, just Jesus. And if somebody helps you, you can obviously, you should be thankful to the person. But never, never make the mistake that it wasn't ultimately Jesus working through that person. If you get anything good from a human, (laughs) ultimately it's because God's working through them. I know myself well enough to know that to be true. Hopefully you know yourself well enough to know that to be true. Jesus is our missing man. And that's true no matter if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you're not sure who you are. (laughs) Legitimately, Jesus is that missing gap in your heart and your soul. And so I like, I love the fact, I love the fact that he finds the woman at the well. He, he, in essence, he had to go through, this is what it says in, in the Bible. He had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to. He could have gone around it. But he had to because he had an appointment with her. And you know how she was healed? You know how you can tell she was healed from her conversation with Jesus? Because she went back and told all the men in her city, many of whom she had known. And this is what she tells them. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Don't you think they're like, woo, let's go. (laughs) I want to know who this dude is. And Jesus wound up staying there for four days and, and the whole town basically came over and became believers in Jesus. Jesus is that missing man. Jesus steps into the man at the pool of Bethesda and says, I can heal you. I can redeem you. I can repair you. I can fix the compensatory routines and behaviors. I'm the missing man. You don't have anyone. Clearly, otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But I'm here. Jesus is here. And it's in these conversations. The woman caught in adultery. I would have, if I was her, I would have been like embarrassed, humiliated, scared. And I would have been mad at the dude. Right? Hey, (laughs) come on now. I mean, I would have had this mix, heavy duty mix of emotions. But it's the conversations with Jesus the conversations with Jesus that heal us far more than anything a human does. And so what I'd like to ask you to do for a few moments, and there's a verse that I think is super powerful and it's in Psalms. I'm going to find it real quick. I think it's 146 verse three and it says, do not trust in princes in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. I'm I am a full proponent for relationships and connecting and people. I am flat out. I'm an introvert, so I'm careful on how I do that. <laughs> it's cuz I like I like that quiet solitude super fantastic for me. So I can do people. And I think relationships are very very important. They help us. They grow us. God speaks and works in us through relationships. I'm not saying he doesn't. But I think that if we get our eyes on a human to be the solution, to be the healer, to be our ultimate intimacy solution guru, whatever, to be, to fix whatever. I think when we do that, that's when we set ourselves up for the failure, for the hurt, for the routine, for the habit, for the again and again and again. Stopping. Let's stop the insanity. And pick Jesus. Because don't trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. No human can save you. <laughs> no human can heal you. No human can fix you. No human can redeem you. It's just human plus human equals human. So I wanna take just a moment here and I wanna I wanna ask you just to pause. And have a conversation with Jesus, your own personal conversation, just in your seat. I'm not going to make you do anything or so you don't have to get twitchy and like, Whoa. no, you're not getting a microphone, you know, don't have to do any of that. But what I'd like you to do is think about this. Think about one relationship in your life, present, past, whatever, that has, is, is painful to you, is missing. They went missing. They betrayed you. They hurt you. And you're like, well, they didn't do it on, on, whatever, on purpose, not on, whatever. But that one, everybody find one. When you have one wave at me. I have one, Sarah. Okay. Now I want you to take that one, put it in your hand, kind of symbolically. And then I'd like you just to take a moment, close your eyes and lift that relationship up to Jesus. And have a conversation with Jesus. Like what would I say? We might say, Jesus, this person, I'm really hurt with them. And I recognize I had to I forgive. But I also see that I didn't have my eyes on you. I see that it's hurt me and I want to keep my eyes on you and I invite you into that pain, into that missing gap, into that experience. Jesus, I want to hear what you would say. I invite you to be my missing person. Some of you really feel Jesus, just his presence with you. Some of you, he's talking to you. Some of you, you don't feel or hear anything. You might be frustrated or hurt or angry. Where are you, Jesus? That lady says you're here. I'm not feeling you. I'm not hearing you. How would you show up? How would I know? How would I know you're here? Maybe say that. Say that to Jesus. How would I know? I invite you, Jesus, to make yourself known to me. To be real. And to step into the gap I invite you Jesus whatever that looks like now Father I pray for each of us in the room each of us online I know we're coming into the holidays we're coming into Christmas, Thanksgiving and God I recognize that for some of us this is these are challenging times and I pray for each of us that we, w- we invite you to come <laughs> and join the Thanksgiving, join Christmas and help us to navigate the family and the season with your presence and not focus on the people, the horizontal, as much as we focus on you. Jesus, I invite you to make yourself real to each of us in an individual way not like anybody else, just for us, that we would know that you know and you see us and you talk with us. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us to walk in your fullness and that you are truly our missing man. Thank you for helping us with this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is your missing man. (laughs) steps in and you know if i interrupted the conversation so to speak that you're having with jesus it doesn't mean you can't pick it up on the way home or when you get home sunday afternoons naps right like we all do the naps Sunday afternoon so maybe instead of a nap maybe just take a walk around the block and just say hey can we keep talking can we pick up where we left off because i think when you open the door for conversations with jesus that's when healing starts to really get real and and blown and experienced in your life. It's just those conversations and the raw honesty, the raw honesty, you know, I have no husband. Oh, well, yeah, let's talk about that. Oh, I don't, you know, whatever. There's the raw honesty and let Jesus speak back to you and talk and, and work through that. And, and if you need to be cranky with Jesus, I don't think it makes, he doesn't chew his nails. Ooh, she was rude to me. She was mad at me. She hurt my feelings. You know, Jesus Jesus can manage. Jesus can handle it. But I think the honesty, you can't have intimacy without honesty. So be honest with Jesus and say, hey, this is what's going on. And then let Jesus say, hey, let me help you. <laughs> let me step into that. Let me, let me resolve, redeem, and heal, right? Make something better. Bring trash and get treasure, right? And that's exactly what Jesus does. I want to minister um, a couple verses here at the end. And uh, this verse, and I welcome you to give me some feedback. Not real time. After service would be great. (laughs) I've had people in the moment, hey, that's not right. I'm like, no, that's not what I was looking for. Now, later, good, but not now. Um, So give me some feedback. I don't claim to be perfect. Perfect is for heaven. Practice is for earth. All right. So I'm practicing, I'm growing, I'm learning, make mistakes. And it's okay to make a mistake because I'm going to try to make new ones, <laughs> not the same ones. That's really a good thing to consider. <laughs> so the verse I have is, and this is Word of Wisdom, Word of Knowledge from 1 Corinthians 12, Gifts of the Holy Spirit. The verse I have is for this lady through here. You have on kind of a salmon shirt and a print jacket, red hair. And, yeah, exactly. And the verse I have for you is in Ephesians 3.19. And it says that you may know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. There's a, a God wants to put some new awareness of God loving you into your heart, into your life, into your soul, um, and that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And God wants to go beyond what you know in your natural thinking of, of, of love, how God loves you, and to go way past that, the knowledge that goes, surpasses all of the things you could know in your mind, but rather it's experience and consistently and with steady faithfulness that God fills you up to all the fullness. And it is the love of God, the love of God, which surpasses understanding. And the things that you're like, well, I don't totally understand it, but oh my goodness, it certainly feels like love. It certainly is love. It's beyond what I have known. And and you're not going to see any parallel in, in the natural world, in your, in your human relationships, because God's love goes far past what you know in your human relationships. And so God is saying to you, you know, I'd like you to kind of take the reins off a little bit and and Blow out the walls, blow out the borders, the limits. And let me kind of just pour in love to you that far. And and what you'll see is when you say yes to that, God is infinite. So that means love is infinite, meaning no limits, no boundaries. And for us as humans, it's hard for us to get our head around that because we're finite. We live in time and sequence and, and bodies. But God is saying, I'm way past all of that. So let me be who I really am, the fullness and the immensity of who I am. And let me kick out the cobwebs. Let me break down the boundaries and the barriers and the expectations. And and what is this? And and all of the preconceived ideas, let me go way past that. Because my love for you exceeds anything you've ever known, experienced, hoped for in your entire life. And God's saying, I want to pour that love into you and overflow and kick out the limits and part of that is not only to come god loving you but also loving through you. And so as you let god love through love you and also through you you're going to experience god's love for you that far exceeds and 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 it will you you'll be like i can't find words i can't i can't even it, when i try to put in words it just gets lost cuz i just i feel like it's just too limiting too confining and god is saying exactly I want to go way beyond what words could say and what your mind could think because that's who God is. He goes way beyond because God is infinite and wants to pour infinite love into you as well as through you. So um, you can give me some feedback on that later. Not now would be fantastic. Um, And then I have another verse, um, and it is. Hmm. That's cool. You know, sometimes I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Because <laughs> you guys are all looking at me. I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do? It'd be helpful if you could kind of keep me posted here. It's that real time, woo, download thing. So <laughs> the verse I have um, is for this lady through here. You have on a, like a white vest and a black shirt. You're on the aisle. Yep, it's for you. And, um. This is in first Samuel and it specifically relates to, and I don't know you. So again, if I mess up just looking at the human piece and it is what it is, not trying to mess up, but I just have a sense that you have a son or some sons that are concerning to you um, in relation to their connection with God. And in the very first part of first Samuel, this is when Hannah has a son named Samuel. And she dedicates her son to God. And it's interesting because uh, when Samuel was dedicated to God, it said that he slept next to the Ark of the Covenant in Samuel 1 Samuel 3, verse 4. And because of his his proximity to God, God's presence, Ark of the Covenant, he was keenly aware of the voice of God, although initially he didn't recognize it. Uh, Eli had to eventually kind of train him, oh, that's God talking to you. And what I sense is you're concerned about your son or two, I don't know. But God is saying to you, you know, you raised them little. They had an awareness of my presence, of my power, of my voice, of my words. And it may not seem like they're following that right now. But don't get discouraged. Don't get distracted, and their behaviors and their words or choices and the things they're doing. Um, don't be don't be distracted by that because there was a, an investment at an early age that went into their hearts, into their souls, and it's not dormant. It's not you know, absolutely dead and never going to show up again. You're going to see that presence and that investment from God, those words as a little boy, those little, they, that they were finally tuned in. And you know, you're like, Hey, I reminded you. And God's saying, yep. But And they're not listening now. And, the, and that's kind of some of the frustration. But God's saying to you, I am talking to them. I am working in their hearts. I am working in their lives and I have plans and purposes and designs for them. And I have set up, and this goes with uh, Acts seventeen, verse twenty. God sets up twenty six and twenty seven. God sets up times, places, and events for God to, ex- for men to experience God, as though He. But God is not far from each one of them, and God is telling you, be encouraged that I have divine appointments, and I have already been doing divine appointments with this son. I've already been talking and putting in relationships and coincidental conversations. That's what in his mind what it is, but he is aware in the core of him that it's actually God chasing him and saying, I love you. I care about you. Come home, son. Be reconciled to my heart. And God is working and you pray. God works. Don't worry, because God is working to put the worry in God's hands. Put your son in God's hands and remember that your son is actually God's son. And God is absolutely more in love and more wise and and understands exactly what's necessary for your son. So trust God. Trust that God is a loving heavenly father and working on his behalf to reconcile, to redeem. And the stuff from his childhood is not going to just kind of fritter away into oblivion. It's absolutely going to come and see full fruit to that. So be encouraged with that. You can give me feedback. I was just kind of stepping out on a ledge there. Um, but a couple things to be aware of at the resource table, there's how to keep your faith in an upside-down world. How many of you think our world is upside-down? Topsy-turvy. Holy buckets. It's totally a topsy-turvy way. So how to keep your faith in an upside-down world. That's is very helpful. And then this is uh, in a book format, little book, booklet, The Missing Man. So what I just did... I don't know if there's any more left back there, but if there's five, well, there you have it. Six if you take this one too. So um, you're like, wow, I need to read that and think about that again. You can grab a copy of that or you can get on the website as well. That's a good way to connect. So thank you so much. God bless you, Jeremy. I think we're gonna continue with some worship. I just feel like the Lord is, I uh, want to tell somebody in 2 Corinthians twelve nine. he says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so you can just come to Jesus and you can surrender to him because his grace is sufficient. And it is Jesus plus nothing. He's enough. That's all you need. Praise God.